2: Welcome into another edition of On the Beat Live. I'm Tommy Ashley. That's Jeremiah Holloway, Adam Smith, and of course, the man that makes it all run, John Bowman. Do adam i usually do uh, the old guys got to stick together um, <laughs> the hype train is real uh it is starting to really pick up in chapel hill but what i heard from mac what i heard from the players today focus 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 they're staying off of that roller coaster that caught them the last couple years a uh, big game on saturday
3: is it a must win game tommy i saw someone was already asking in the chat. Oh,
2: they were giving you the biz- Preston from Greensboro. Yeah, hey, uh, I like I like this. Tyson <laughs> Tumberland says they're all must wins now. Yes, sir. I think it's they're a big game. Big I think it's a I think it's a stair step game for North Carolina. If you want to get to the top, you got to take these steps. I think it's for that purpose, it's a must win.
3: I think it's I think to to what you mentioned just a, a few seconds ago, I think it's good to hear Mac. And the players, and a lot of times with the players, the last couple of weeks, it, it's been sort of unprompted that I'm sure they're hearing it from Mac where they go and they mention how last season sort of went off the cliff. Um, you know, I mean, Drake Drake refers to the, the Georgia Tech game last year all the time. Um, so I mean, I think and I think the good thing about it is they're highly aware of where things went wrong last year and you hear them saying those things and then look how they played this past Saturday against Syracuse. You know, it's kind of like, you know, like when you see something like that, just sort of like makes you a believer, you know, not that they hadn't been playing well this season, but I felt like they, they took it to another level against, against Syracuse. And yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting analogy. Is analogy the right word? Interesting metaphor the stair-step games where you really can, if you got the, I got the schedule over here, you really can see this thing shaping up if they continue to play well and, and, and win these games. And I think, I think Miami, the Miami game is super interesting because I think Miami is very talented. Obviously they had the costliest and dumbest of blunders you've ever seen. We all know it, but um, you know, I, I'll be interested to see how they show up. I mean, I, th- I think they've got a ton of talent and um, I think it's gonna be two good teams going at it Saturday night under the lights.
2: Yeah, finally get to see those High Dollar Kenan Stadium lights uh, in full effect, the blue lights, the Jordan lights, and all that stuff. Jeremiah, um, I listened to Miami coaches on Monday and then their players today as well. Every one of them, to a man, says they turned the page and all that. Um, it was interesting. Uh, some of the media members were not going to let it go, especially to the point where one of them asked, uh, do you still have faith in Mario Cristobal? like, <laughs> I love the uh, offensive lineman that got caught uh, on the, you know, the meme and all that we've seen saying, what are we doing? What are we doing? If you haven't listened to his press conference, go listen to it. Uh, He dropped the S word about four or five times during his uh, press availability. But, Jeremiah, I guess that's the thing that people always talk about with Miami over the years is they're front runners. Things go bad. They go sideways in a hurry. Did not sound like a team – Trying to do that after what Adam said, and it's got to be one of the most brain dead, bonehead moves ever in college football. There's been some. I think Matt Brown kneeled on fourth down down in Charlotte, 2019. Folks seem to forget that one. That could have turned out very similar. Um, But things happen. Miami players seem ready. Your take on yeah. how Carolina's approaching this?
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, just real quick on that game. I mean, I'm. You know, it was the same night, obviously, as the Syracuse game. I'm, like, winding down. Because sometimes, like, you know, you you watch the game. You do all this work. So you you know, you don't go home and go straight to sleep sometimes. You you wind down a little bit. So, I'm on the couch. I have the thing on mute. And I look at them. They're running a the play. You know, uh, Georgia Tech has no timeouts. And, like, I'm confused. They're running to the play. You know, that's the type of stuff you do on Madden. We're just, like, goofing <laughs> off just so you can see what will happen. But uh, I think the way Carolina's approaching it, they kind of understand – I think really both the coaches and the players that we had talked to on Monday and today, um, when you lose like that, if you're Miami, you really have, you know, kind of two options. One is to lose all faith in your coach and the season's awash and you'll never get the respect of the team back. We will see how that turns out, right? But but from a, from a football standpoint, it's like, okay, that's, you know, you should come out firing, right? Like I think UNC is preparing for a team that, Is going to come out firing. Obviously, it was a close game last year when they were at Miami. uh, But now with Miami come off such a devastating and embarrassing loss, I think, you know, they're going to they're expecting Miami to, you know, try to do what they do best. Um, Really, Miami lost that game mostly because of the turnovers they had. Obviously, they won the game, but they had three interceptions. Van Dyke had three interceptions, uh, which is obviously drive killers um a similar situation to what UNC faced last week they were playing a Syracuse team that had turned it over a lot and that's why they lost to Clemson um in my and uh North Carolina was able to turn Syracuse over twice but really once in like the real flow of the game you know when it was you know before it had fully been decided I guess um but I think the way yeah North Carolina's approaching it is, hey, this is a team that is still very talented they actually are still in the top 25 they're 25th yep. right now uh you know this is a team that is talented we've seen them before uh you know so i think they're they're trying to not take them lightly they're trying to understand the situation to be like hey you know this team is not going to you know accept their you know lower place in the acc just, I'm just saying that because they lost, they're not going to accept. They're not going to accept this loss in the ACC. They're going to try to uh, climb back into the rankings as soon as they can.
2: Adam, just, uh, oh, go I'm ahead. Sorry, Tommy. No, uh, I, I missed the. I missed the uh, the private message there, folks. <laughs> inside baseball, we we communicate on the side, but I missed it. So go ahead, Adam.
3: I love the private message, Tommy. By the way, uh, uh, you guys got to see them. Um, there, some, uh,
2: they're, they're raunchy.
3: That's my bad, Tommy. I, I I sent it in. I I was trying to beat the beat the shot clock there. Uh, I was just gonna say as oh, I was my listening God, to dude. Jeremiah talk um, shot clock. Yeah,
2: there, there, <laughs> there
3: you go.
0: Because
3: I was listening to Jeremiah talk, we we looked at each other today. Uh, it's like exhibit number one hundred thousand of what just a regular dude Drake May is. Where we were talking about the Miami Georgia Tech debacle, and he was like, you know, I turned the game off. <laughs> you know, like because. Why wouldn't you, you know, like yeah. he, he said, he said, when well, Miami got the ball back and and it was effectively over, he turned it, he turned it, you know, and I thought, yeah, I'm sure so many people did. And then he said, what did he say, Jeremiah? He said, then I realized social media was starting to go crazy about what was happening. And I think he said his phone was
0: blowing up or something. Yeah. Right?
3: Like, yeah, like uh, so like everyone else, probably like Jeremiah has got the game on mute. Drake Mays turned it. We can confirm that Mac was on the couch uh we weren't (laughs) hilarious we weren't not the recliner
2: (laughs) not Not the
0: recliner
3: yeah
2: if you're listening i have a recliner and it is worn out because i sit in it all the time
3: (laughs) (laughs) but i just thought i just wanted to add that real quick that like you know drake you know we we got the sense that after they played so well against syracuse a lot of them mac and a lot of guys cedric gray were gonna go home and kick back and watch the team they're playing next because the miami game miami georgia tech game, was eight o'clock on acc network and I just thought it was interesting where Drake was like, yeah, the thing was over, so
2: I I turned it. Well, a couple things about that game. Georgia Tech, for some reason, is not a really good football team, but they can play. They can pop up one-game situations and play. Carolina saw that last year. Somebody in the chat asked about if he's so good, how did he have so many interceptions? Georgia Tech just, you know, mixes coverages, disguises coverages real well, And if you remember a couple years ago, or down in Atlanta, Sam Howell couldn't get out of his own way against Georgia Tech. Kept turning it over, fumbling it, and all that. So, Georgia Tech's got some players. One thing about this game, though, and I think we need to circle back, Miami lost ridiculously. But Miami's still talented. Jeremiah, they're still huge in the lines. Mm. Um, Tyler Van Dyke, I don't have it in front of me. I'd wager he's probably thrown for – close to 900 yards the last two times he's played Carolina combined I know he went a lot yeah it is a lot and even last year when he was terrible leading up to that Carolina game he he had a really good game um but Jeremiah I think that's what keeps this North Carolina team focused because Miami's still good and they're still they've still got enough athletes to beat you if you're not 100% invested
0: and that's what Gene Chizik and even Chip Lindsey were talking about. Gene Chizik said that Miami had the fastest offense that they've seen so far. Well, I think his exact words were uh, one of the fastest offenses, if not the fastest offense. And then Chip Lindsay said that Miami is the best, def- one of the best defenses they've seen so far, if not uh, the best. So. Like you said, Tommy, like, this is a team that still has a lot of talent. This is a team that, I mean, this was this was one basic football decision away from being a battle of the undefeateds. Like, it really was. Like, And I think the whole conversation around this game uh, would have, you know, it, first of all, it was different. It was a lot different, you know, a few weeks ago, uh, you know, the potential of it being a prime time. And it would be even that much more different now had Miami actually had the 5-0 record. I guess aesthetically, people like to see the, you know, both of them are top 15 and both of them are 5-0. Um, and <clears throat> But yeah, certainly you have to, you know, account for I mean, you know, Tyler Van Dyke doesn't have the most eye-popping numbers this year. His completion percentage is really good. Uh, he does have 12 touchdown passes right now. Uh, three of his four interceptions were in that last game. Obviously, I'm reading it off here now, but they have some talented receivers and then they have some, you know, uh, you know, on the, on the defensive standpoint, they are uh, you know, pretty solid run defense. I think they're actually, they're like one or two. They're, yeah, they're number one. That's right. They're number one in the ACC as a as a run defense. And, and North country, Carolina,
3: number one in the country.
0: Didn't even realize that. I appreciate that. Yeah, they've that. given
3: up the few. I think they've given up the fewest fewest rushing yards. Now, I know if, yeah, I don't know if they've played, I know they've played Temple and, you know, Texas AM and some of these teams. So, but statistically, they've given yeah. up the fewest.
0: Yeah, statistically. So, so, And this is a UNC team also that just got the running game back going. So they had struggled with it a little bit against Minnesota and Pitt. Um, But against Syracuse, they managed to, and Syracuse has a good run defense too. Like Syracuse had a top run defense as far as the ACC, uh, but UNC was able to take advantage of that. Part of that was getting healthy on the line. And also, I mean, Marion Hampton was a man out there. Like that dude was wrecking tackles like just early on. That's before they opened it up with the pass. So, um, We'll see, you know, if the what's the phrase? Like a unstoppable force and a immovable object or whatever it is. Like yeah, we'll see we'll see how that goes, you know. Uh, and by the way, the these are blue light glasses. So that is why there's a glare, you know. <laughs> I'm taking I'm taking care of my eyes today. So that's what that's what we're doing. <laughs>
2: Oh, I have the numbers too. Minor readers, so uh, yeah, Jeremiah's got high dollar. I got twenty bucks for. Oh no, nah, these are just pounds. like
0: these are like off Amazon, <laughs> man. These are just yeah. <laughs> plastic. You know, it looks like you can see the future with those things, Jeremiah. It <laughs> like you're looking, you're looking ahead. It's all the score predictions right here no. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I've got the numbers here as well for uh, Miami's quarterback. The last two years, this has been a little bit of a get-right game for Miami because in 2021. They came into North Carolina. They were two and four at the time, and they scored 42 points. Uh, TVD's stats in that game, the Miami quarterback, he threw for 264, one touchdown and three interceptions. And then last year, he really went off 496 yards, three touchdowns to one interception. Like you were saying, Tommy, I think one of his best games of the year. So both times the last two years, Miami has has come in uh, with a losing record to this game. Um, so their offense has still put up big points, even though maybe their team performance hasn't been as good coming into the North Carolina game. And they had
3: pulled him. They had pulled him the week before Carolina went down there last Mm -hmm. year. They had, had suffered a like horrific loss to middle Tennessee and they had pulled Van Dyke, hadn't they? Like they had brought in Mm -hmm. Garcia as we were doing the opponent preview. I was like, you know, we don't know if Van Dyke's going to start. Um, and then, yeah, he almost threw for 500 yards.
2: Yeah, he 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 can play. He can he can make some plays. Um, he talked about in their presser availability today. He talked about that he made a couple bad throws. A couple times they were off. Uh, not good communication that led. I think one of the interceptions was in the red zone, so that was tough for them, and, and that hurts the scoring. Like they all said though, that it never should have come down to the end. But the bottom line is, they let it come down to the end, and, yeah. and so let, let's talk a little bit about North Carolina. Uh, Adam, the entire talk was Tez Walker, Tez Walker. So let's talk about Tez Walker. Um, I know you asked Drake, and I know um, we talked to the coaches about it. He's back fully involved. I do like what Mac said on Monday. He said, we're done with the Tez talk. Now he's just a member of the team. Um, So let's get focused on that. But how much of this, that noise settling down, him getting – to get first team reps or whatever and having a normal week of practice. How big is that for him and for this team?
3: It's kind of crazy to get your head around, isn't it? Like, if you think about, like, yeah, you think about the turbulence just sort of settling in there. There, Tez Walker is today is what Tuesday and Tez Walker is by all accounts going through a normal game week, you know, he's not on the scout team. And like it's see it it's I guess it's not that it hasn't been that long since that it was August the eighth we were all there you remember thank God you were there Tommy uh you know you're getting these guys on camera um that day doing immediate reaction I was sprinting to the inside Carolina office I ran uh, <laughs> I, I really did I ran <laughs> like, uh, um but it it's 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 sort of sort of fascinating to think about and and. Yeah, so last week, obviously, they find out they get the news, which I thought was kind of shocking in a way, um, on Thursday. So, um, you know, Jeremiah has asked about it this week, we've asked about it this week. It's kind of interesting the way that the cram session that went on mm. to try to get him ready. Mac has said several times, Tez and Lonnie Galloway immediately went down and started working on the whiteboard, like Lonnie was immediately. Going through there, and um, I'm sure our audience has probably watched the Chip Lindsay video. Chip, Chip was saying to us the other day that he stayed up all day Friday, you know, which you know, but when you get to Friday, usually uh, you're sort of everything's installed, obviously. But he's talking about Friday. He's working on ways to when to get Tez in personnel packages, ways to use them. And he said Friday night he was still working on stuff like that. So, like, I mean, we're talking about eleventh hour stuff. So, yeah, I mean. I think the dust, in terms of Tez, is finally settled. Which is again, it's sort of an amazing thing to think about. And yeah, now like now, now it'll be interesting to see. I I, I thought the way Carolina went about it last week was the right thing in terms of not starting him. Um, I, I I think everyone agrees he's the most talented receiver on the roster, even with Nate McCullum, who's a super talented guy. Um, and you know, everything we have heard for months was he's. UNC's second-best offensive player behind Drake May was what we've heard around the program, the coaches too. Um, but I still think it was the right thing to do, not to start him because they've been playing so well with the the, the three guys they have out there and then sort of bring him in. So now we'll get to see, like, yeah, a full week, a full week with with the guys who are going to play. And, and does he go out there first Saturday night? I, I don't know. What's the combination if he does? Um, you know, there were some – I don't know if you guys noticed it, but – I don't think Jeremiah and I have even talked about it, but I thought it was interesting how there were combinations with him and J.J. Jones out there on the field, which, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes you sort of think of J.J. and Tez in the same position, but I thought that was sort of a dynamic look when you got Tez outside on one side, J.J. on the other, and then Nate Cullum or Kobe Peso or one of those guys working underneath. Good God. You know, that's uh, – there's a lot to like about that, I think, if you're a Carolina fan. So, yeah, like – um, you know, I, I, we wrote we wrote that Saturday was sort of all systems go. Uh, you know, they were finally fully assembled. Was one of the things we said. And and you know, it's interesting to think that now five weeks into the season, they there this UNC offense looks like it's becoming an even you know greater thing than it was before. Um, so I think there's a lot to like. And happened. building
1: building off of that, uh, Adam, I think one thing that I liked from the UNC offense. In addition to everything you just talked about, I liked how they got the running backs involved in the pass game. Looking at the stats here from Saturday, Amari and Hampton, three catches for 25 yards. Caleb Hood had a catch and British Brooks had a catch uh, for, for two catches actually for nine yards. So I think on top of all of the additional deep threats that were added uh, with Tez on the roster, if they can also get the ball, to the running backs, those easy pitching catches. That's a lot of free yards as well. I, I noticed that this past yard. I think that's something to keep going back to moving forward throughout the season. And one of
3: those British catches was a little check down. Drake was talking about it today. Uh, I, I considered posting it on the message board where Drake said, you can never go broke, making a profit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you know, but that was, it. I think one of those passes to British was a check down that, that kept, you know, it wasn't the sexiest thing in the world, but it was a third down check down, and British then wheeled around and got the first down, you know, with uh-huh. his legs.
2: Uh, if you're going to steal somebody's name in the chat, <laughs> you got to know that John Copenhaver broke his hand against South Carolina and uh, played with a club, so that might have affected his uh, time since week one, but he is uh, he, he's certainly a big part of this offense, as is Kamari Morales, as is Bryson Nesbitt, And let's talk a little bit about Bryson Jeremiah. He, you know, at times he disappears, and he's awfully talented. Um, But lately, he's been that guy that they've talked about who can play tight end or play receiver or, or, you know, do the NFL thing. And he's looked really good a few times this year, touchdown pass last weekend. I, I think he's a guy that can make a lot of noise that we might not be talking about in the lead up to this Miami game. Yeah. I mean,
0: he's almost, uh, I mean, well, not even almost like, he's really an extra receiver out there, you know, just with the, you know, you look at his size, you look at, you know, excuse me, his athleticism Uh, he's caught a couple of touchdown passes this year that were just like, so they just kind of came naturally, you know, like you he's, he's running to the end zone, like he's a wide receiver. Um, so he he adds another element to he's the probably the best like pass catching tight end out of that out of that group of him Kamari Morales and uh and John Copenhaver um that, that that's the element he brings he's a guy that you can you know put in the slide maybe even if you really wanted to maybe you could put him out wide but a lot of times they, they like to have him in that uh, uh in that slot so you know in addition to because even with Tez being back and he had. Tez had eight targets. Nate McCollum, I don't actually remember the exact number. But he had seven catches, so around that many targets or, you know, a little bit more. But Bryson Nesbitt, in the midst of all of that, had five catches, um, which was more than, obviously, what they gave a player like, you know, a J.J. Jones, who had been their their leading receiver. But anytime they can get Bry- uh, Bryson Nesbitt involved, um, John was just bringing up the point of how they were able to get a lot of the running backs involved. Well, like When they get the tight ends involved, I mean, the, that ball just moves around so much. Like, yeah. I think the South Carolina game... The, 10 different guys caught a pass and on Saturday it was 11. You know, it was, uh, uh, I think it was, it was Caleb Hood would have been the extra guy that would have caught a pass. Uh, So that's, you know, both running backs and hood, then it's all three of your tight ends, then it's, you know, the rest being your, your wide receivers. Um, So, yeah, but when you when you look at Nesbitt and even like a Kamari Morales, because Kamari Morales has made some plays in the passing game, I would say. Like he's he's certainly uh, made plays out there, but I think the that dynamic Nesbit had and I just put up the the stats, he has he's caught a pass I think he's actually the only tight end to do this for UNC. He's caught a pass at least one uh in every single game. So there's, you know, that degree of consistency of like, hey, he's in the game plan, you know, he's a name that we're going to call. Um, so uh, the fact that he's out there and he's going to be able to score and he's going to be able to, like, beat guys on occasion, like he's going to be able to get past some guys, uh, I think that's 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 big for the offense, especially with Tez Walker now being there and really creating some space for other guys.
2: I saw a question in the chat, and Adam, I'm going to bring it to you. Um From Jack in the chat. T.A., what worries the panel the most about Miami? Adam, I will say this. North Carolina's ability to run the ball against that Miami front, to y'all's point, they're giving up like 58 yards rushing on the season per game. Miami's got some dudes up front. Carolina needs to be able to run the football uh, to be able to do all these things we're talking about in the passing game. If I had to take one quote-unquote worry or or key in the game, it's that North Carolina's ability – the offensive line's ability to move Miami off the ball.
3: Yeah, I mean I can't disagree with that. Tommy, I would never disagree with you, first of all. I, I mean I, I if I say something stupid, please do. So why would get I me ever do I'd be like, I mean, you know, you're an OG. Here we have the panel again with some of the older gentlemen on the left and the younger Bucks on the right, too, by the way. Um I don't let, know. let
1: the record show I'm the only one without glasses. Blue light or not, I'm the only one with that glasses, so I'll take that. Wow. I was going to get
3: to John. I don't know if we need to give John some love for uh, the the
2: um, the decorations.
3: Yeah, the de- decorations, oh, thank yeah. you. I was, I was going to say flare. I didn't know if that um, – you know, I worked, I I worked hard.
2: Let's talk about me. your decorations. You've had the same schedule poster over there on, well, I guess, on your right for three years now. Yes, I, um.
1: I worked hard. I had to go procure a hammer. Uh, to, to nail these Broke things here. barred it from my uh roommate drew it's a uh, uh it is a uh scarf from a soccer team as someone pointed out in the chat uh you know i gotta gotta match tommy there with the bobbleheads and uh and adam with the the beautiful backdrop uh, of his it looks like spare office or room or something so is i had to get on the list. level
3: where and
0: you know, know we got to work on jeremiah's but... yeah man it's the work in progress you know
2: I uh, yeah, yeah I had to do oh, something listen. um but beyond all the bobbleheads and and the stuff is a lot of junk in the bonus room. It's got to get cleaned up. So, but yes, John is a uh, John makes it clear that he's the the one without glasses. So, but we <laughs> I
3: wanted to salute him because I know that I had heckled John a little bit out of love. Obviously, John's like a younger brother to me, um, <laughs> Johnny Boy. Um, but I, we that is something I had overlooked. I believe last week John That's was how. Right the improvements that you'd made to your day four.
1: it was the big premiere that's what i did on the bye week it took me a whole week to hang this you know this scarf and the poster behind me i was all excited to talk about it and and no one noticed not even the chat noticed so i'm glad it's getting some love tonight yeah you got
3: some love tonight i see a team young bucks post in there you know don't sleep on the old dogs though either (laughs) uh adrian um you
2: know i'm I'm reading them i'm trying to keep up read them in chat shout out to the 357 that's that's a a relevant number with people calling us old adam we we get them (laughs) get it out and clear people off our lawn uh you know shout out to everybody it's kind of hard to keep up with the chat so uh it is perfect that john's helping me do this and i failed to mention earlier and i'm gonna go ahead and do it johnny t-shirt and johnny t-shirt.com um Maybe we can get Johnny T-shirt to give John and Jeremiah some more swag for their walls um, so they can have some relevant information. Maybe, maybe we'll hang an IC banner or something up there as well. But Johnny T-shirt certainly takes care of all the Inside Carolina Premium subscribers. And it's football season, but it's also chilly. And it's a little chilly in Chapel Hill, and it might be. So go by there and get your crew neck sweatshirts or your long-sleeve T-shirts or anything you want for NIL. Um, If you need some glasses, uh, I'm sure they've got some Carolina blue shades in there. Go check them out. All the stickers you need, everything you need at Johnny T-Shirt. If you need Carolina gear, it's Johnny T-Shirt. And like I said, 10% off your order, premium subscribers. National guys will pay the bills on the audio side. It's on the beat live. UNC awaits hurricane.
0: wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Beats.
2: All right, guys, we're back. It's on the beat. This is always a uh, a fun show for me to do because it's kind of laid back. You know, it's not it's not stressful. Um, you know, we got imposters in the chat cutting up. Um, <laughs> at least we've avoided all the other stuff um, that we've had in the past. Somebody will remind me. Jeremiah, I don't know if you remember. We used to have a bunch of porn bots, actually. <laughs> I was um, just like, don't speak
3: it into existence. Yeah, I know, really. <laughs> wow. <laughs> we'll
2: find out if it's true. Um, send money. Let's see if it comes through. But anyway, let's talk more about this this Carolina Miami game. Let's sort of put this in perspective, Adam. Um, a lot of people are starting to talk about '97. Yeah. I think I think that's a little bit jumping the gun here. Mac made a reference that that '97 team had the number one defense in the country. Um, but your take on on how it is going into this Miami game? It sort of feels like a a little judgment nightish type thing absolutely does and I
3: think um, yeah yeah I do think 97 is somewhat premature but I think what what we're getting into here with this is um, the perfect start like Carolina this Carolina team hasn't lost and each week as you go further along that path you're sort of inching closer to 97 as we all know they started 8-0 and and <laughs> across the last 100 years I looked it up because I'm a nerd uh, it is a hundred years. I wanted to make sure. I know that's what we've heard forever, but um, that we don't want to discount the 1914 UNC team that started 10 and 0. Uh, and then I don't know what happened to that 14 team. I don't know if they got too big for their britches, um, but they gagged in the season finale at UVA yeah. and lost, and they 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 were not able to finish with a perfect record, but. Yeah. If you take the 19 – well, 1914 was more than 100 years ago. Across the last 100 years, the best start in UNC football history is 1997, Mack Brown's 8-0 team um, that ended up only losing one game and dominating that Gator Bowl. Um, And obviously the game they lost was Judgment Night. That's what they called it, didn't they, Tommy, in 97? It was – They called it
2: that. uh, Yeah, it was Judgment Night, and it was over in the first quarter. Um, But the atmosphere leading up to that game, anybody that was in the chat that was there can verify this. The atmosphere before the game, leading up to the game, game day was there, uh, and and then you had the pregame and then the game started. And it was pretty clear that even though Carolina was, what, fourth in the country, fifth in the country or whatever. One in four, I believe, right? Is that correct? it was not very competitive um it sort of showed the separation that florida state had which is different this year there's no crazy teams like that but yeah it was judgment night and they were judged partially but still had a great Florida
3: state was florida state and um i was a student then and um some of my buddies still talk about it because you know we had gotten there so early to try to get in when the, the student gates opened that i remember they opened the student gates and it was one of those situations where, like, you're like at a concert where you're moving and you're not moving your feet, you're being carried, like, by the <laughs> by the. It was kind of like, oh my God, this is really happening. Um, but you know, I remember Peter Warwick coming out on the field. Uh, you know, like, uh, was it Andre Wadsworth? There was a Wadsworth, I think that that, that FSU defense was super nasty. Um, and Carolina's defense—I mean, that's arguably Carolina's greatest defense ever, right? I mean, I think that Carolina kept that game close because they could not move the ball to save their lives that night. Um, but I mean, that was hey, that was Bobby Bowden. I mean, that was that was when you saw those spears on those helmets and you got concerned, you know. But um, but yeah, to bring it back to present day, I, I I I do think it's somewhat premature, but I think the parallels are starting to form because of the perfect start, the stakes that are becoming involved. I mean, we, this Carolina team is a player in the ACC race. I mean, they're, they're a contender. Um, and, you know, it's sort of a weekly elimination battle royal to see who's going to fall. You know, is Louisville going to lose? Is FSU going to lose? Um, what's happening around the country? There's only 11 Power Five Power Fives left that are unbeaten. Carolina's one of them. Um, that's getting pretty neat, I think.
1: And I think to go right along with that discussion, Adam, I wanted to talk to this group about UNC's strength of schedule because I think those—that's been one big talking point for those who are trying to poke holes in UNC's resume. Thus far, they would say, "Oh, UNC hasn't played anyone." Um, so you know, on ESPN's strength of schedule metric, uh, you can you can look it up on ESPN.com. It's a free stat, but they have UNC ranked 90th between Massachusetts and and Kansas state. This is not the toughest schedule that UNC has ever played to start a season, but on the other hand too, right. You know, Mac Brown has referenced the fact that they've beaten multiple power five teams. They've beaten a team from the sec, from the big 10, from the ACC. Um, So I'll actually throw this one back on you, Tommy, first to start. Do you think UNC has played or how would you sort of think about UNC's schedule to this point? Have they played a challenging opponent yet? Is this an impressive set of wins so far, or do you think this is still a case where maybe UNC hasn't played a really good team quite yet? Mm -hmm.
2: You said ESPN had Carolina's strength of schedule to this point as 90th?
1: Yes, 90th.
2: I'm looking at PFF. I clearly don't know how to read these. PFF has it 11th strongest in the country to this It might say something about ESPN. Now, Carolina's remaining schedule is 100th in the country. Uh, But, you know, I think they've beaten South Carolina, Minnesota, and Pittsburgh. And then they destroyed Syracuse. And none of those games were close. How many times last year um, was North Carolina sweating out, Drake May needs to save us, you know, kind of like, Luke, save us. A Star Wars moment. And it was like that every year. I um, the App State game was—it was, you know, one of those things. This North Carolina team's beaten who they were supposed to beat, and they've done it handily. I don't think you have—I uh, don't think you have to to debate that. Uh, I mean, you look at Miami. Who's Miami beating? They beat Texanium. That's it. They beat—they lost to Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech's ranked what? Uh, I mean, at this point in the season. The crazy thing is, is it'll all shake out. You know, Adam, you can, you mentioned Louisville. I mean, Louisville's got the easiest schedule, one of the easiest schedules in the country, especially in the ACC. Does it matter if they're in Charlotte? You know, none of that matters no. as, as long as it's, you win.
3: It's not the NCAA basketball tournament. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they're not so going to be seeded They don't need six. RPI. And, exactly. Um, yeah.
2: Jeremiah, what do you think about that argument, that Carolina hadn't played anybody? I think it's BS, to be honest.
0: Well, I mean, relative to what? Because, and you actually kind of touched on what I was going to say when you brought up Texas A&M and Miami playing Texas a and I mean, like, I don't know. Like, it's been four it's – been, it's been five games. You know, they – not exactly enough time to get to the CFP or, you know, the thick of the ACC schedule. Like – you really just have to play who's in front of you. I mean, I think some of these teams that now like now to really address it, South Carolina is two and three, uh, app state. They're a solid team. They're not a P five team, Minnesota. I think, what are they? Three and two now. Um, and then you have, I mean, Syracuse was a, was a really good team going into them. I think Syracuse is their best win. And then you have, Oh, Pitt. Pitt has not been great. Okay. Um, but at the same time, I mean, you you have to take care of business with the teams you play. And honestly, the fact that the games haven't been close says more to me. I, I, it would be one thing if they were playing, you know, that schedule or maybe even a more mediocre schedule than that, and they're skating by, by like a touchdown or 10 points or whatever. But, I mean, they're, they're handling business against teams that they're better than, which is what you would want. Um, so uh, I think that's probably the more – important thing to look at. Um, but I don't know, you look across, across the ACC, there have been some teams that play better teams like Florida State opening against LSU. Uh, Duke and Louisville have played Notre Dame. Uh, Tommy mentioned Miami and Texas A&M. I'm sure there are a few others. So, I mean, you can certainly say that it's not been... Like, I think the teams that are remaining on this schedule are better than every team that they've played so far. Um, that is 100% true. But at the same time, if you are winning by multiple touchdowns against teams that you're better than, right, that's exactly what you want. What's been the complaint about UNC the last several years, right? They they play to the competition. That's what a lot of people say. They lose to teams that maybe they shouldn't lose to. Well, you're 5-0 and and you're beating teams convincingly that you're better than outside of probably uh, App State because they, they needed overtime to beat App State. But I don't know. I think they're – they're doing, they're taking care of business. That's ultimately what you want to to do. You want to take care of business. And I think Miami, like Miami right now, this is the best team to me that they're about to face. Uh, I think the next best team after that uh, is Duke. Like I think Duke probably is better than Miami in some ways, but like, I'm just saying to this point, Miami will have been, will have been the best team. And then, I don't know. I mean, do you, like, do you continue on the schedule after they beat Miami and say, Oh, but they only have to play Virginia and Georgia Tech. I'm, I mean, they have to play somebody like they they have to play somebody like there's a lot of overlap in ACC, too, with a lot of the teams that you um, that you face. So um, I won't say look, I won't say that UNC is beating any, you know, ACC contenders or CFP contenders. Nobody's saying that. But at the same time, if you're taking care of business, if you're doing what you're supposed to do, Uh, you know, against the teams that are on your schedule. I think that is a good read on a team uh, just as much as, you know, the caliber of opponents that you've played.
2: It's like Carolina beat Pittsburgh and broke (laughs) Jerkovic. I mean, is that Carolina's fault that he's falling apart? I mean, I'm I'm not sure what the uh, prognosticator. are. You know who I'm talking about. John, you can share that link I sent to show it. Draft uh, PFF has it 11th strongest schedule to this point in the schedule. I mean, in the season, I can't read that, but it's on there.
1: Yeah, I can walk, walk through it. It's a little bit interesting, actually, the PFF and ESPN diverge a little bit. So I'll try to talk through this uh, for everyone listening on, on podcast form as well. So PFF has UNC with the 11th hardest strength of schedule to date and the 100th hardest strength of schedule remaining. Then you flip over to ESPN. I'll I'll zoom in a little bit here for everyone. This is uh, like a class. At home. Like a Zoom
3: class here.
1: UNC has the ninth best strength of record, according to ESPN, but the 90th strength of schedule and the 53rd uh, remaining strength of schedule. Uh, I have this highlight sat highlighted here. This is game control. Jeremiah, I think that gets to what you were talking about. UNC ranks eighth in game control this season, right up there with some really good football teams like Oregon, Washington state, uh, Notre Dame, Texas A&M. Um, so there's, you know, that's, I think, speaking to what you're talking about, Jeremiah, you know, your ability to actually play well in, in some of these games um, I wanted to bring up one more point too about the quarterbacks specifically, because that's another thing I've heard. You know, UNC hasn't played, you know, any really elite quarterbacks, but I think you have to face the slate of quarterbacks that you have on the schedule. And you know, you've already gotten by Spencer Rattler, Garrett Trader. I mean, those are two, I'd yeah. say at least quality ACC quarterbacks. And you go down the list. I mean, who UNC has left is not that impressive as of a Mm -hmm. slate from a quarterback perspective you know tony muskett haynes king from virginia and and georgia tech respectively riley leonard who could potentially be hurt and then there's Cade kublick and and mj morris as well to end the season so i think to maybe wrap this up a little bit you have to just play the teams that you have on the schedule you don't there's no uh you know uh, you you just get the pre- schedule you're presented and unc has dominated against that schedule so i think this argument that unc hasn't played anybody doesn't hold a lot of water well my
0: thing also just real quick to, to go off of that it's like well if you face a team let's say they're four and one like syracuse was and you beat said team yeah like their record goes down too. so the the strength of schedule and the strength of record numbers are like going to fluctuate just as soon as you play it. So I don't know, like, does a win become less impressive after you get said win? Because now that team (laughs) is worse based on, like, I don't know. Like, it goes so so up and down to me. And you never know, like, what these teams go on to do later in the season. Like, some wins age well, better than others. So it's really just like, you know, it really kind of does come down to a week-by-week thing. Obviously, you know, if we're talking about a top 25 team, that's probably – Maybe that's different, you know, depending on who we're talking about. But sometimes it's just like, I mean, yeah. Would you rather than lost to Minnesota? Like, would that say more to you? I don't know. I don't
2: know. But, Do you think NC State cares whether Riley Leonard plays or not on Saturday? You know, right? If, the, if you know, they don't you, want him to play. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, I wish him well, but you know, we'll see you Monday, not Saturday. So, I mean, North Carolina's beaten handily who they're supposed to beat, and that is a step up from where they've been, where this program's been. And that's why I call this game another stair-step type game because this is another game against a, a good quality team. And what's funny is everybody wants to say Miami's trash because of a dumb coaching move. I mean, that is ridiculous. And, and that's where you can get lost in the hype or the, or the social media side of everything. Um, this team will be ready to play. I started some questions. Let's see if I can find some. Thomas Coons, who wants this one? Is Cavazos the type of player that can take over a corner spot when 100% uh, Adam take it? Uh, I don't think so. Not in this current form, but I think he's a quality backup and quality depth when he's out there.
3: Yes. Uh, I don't want to be mean to – legend kvassas um no i don't i don't think i think if he's starting that's not uh great in terms of the other personnel they have out there i think marcus allen is playing tremendous um you know i think tayon holloway is making progress i think armani chapman is a pretty nice piece to bring off the bench when you bring off a guy who's played that much football and uh plug him in there i mean the 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 amount of depth this defense, everywhere but linebacker, and Amari Campbell had an interception the other day. It's it's just an impressive amount of defense that they got going on. But I I don't think Cavazos is going to be uh, competing for a starting spot here in the next couple of weeks.
2: Jeremiah, I got a question for you. If I can get back to those, and I think this one's relevant. James Ludeman says, Will will we see a third man dedicated to the shield for any punts this week? Or can they shore it up with just two back there? Max Mm -hmm. said, um, It's a one person mistake on both of them. I believe it was McKeithen last week. Who was it?
3: He graduated. It's it was Malik McGowan at Gowen. Pitt. My bad, my bad. It Jonathan, Ador- it's it's fine. Ta. I mean, you're. Oh, well, that's geez. a
2: big man. I don't want to. Yeah, he didn't mess up. You did great. You had the M's. You had the
3: M's, <laughs> and all – I mean, you were, I had you the, were Ma- the
2: the McKeithen, and the McGowan. Either way,
3: it was Malik McGowan at Pitt. It was Jonathan Adorno <laughs> against Syracuse. Weirdly enough, they did the three man shield at Pitt, and then they did two man shield against Syracuse. Neither worked. So.
2: Jeremiah, what you think about oh, that uh, that shield type punt thing? I've seen it so many times across college football. Yeah, um, I don't necessarily like giving guys free run at the punter; I'd rather block them at the at the line of scrimmage. But anyway, yeah. anything changes? Punt, punt! I guess punt coverage for North Carolina this week. You think?
0: Yeah, we're gonna have to enlist the great uh, Pete Limbo. You know, out here, to uh, teams coach to South Carolina. I know he'd have all the answers and thoughts on that man uh no I think to me I mean kind of to Adam's point if you you've run the both the two you run with the three I mean like it's you want part of you wants to call it an anomaly but like it's happened twice but like almost the fact that it's happened twice is just like you know that makes it more of an anomaly because like hey that doesn't happen twice in back-to-back weeks to the same team um it's tough I mean i I think that what you'd want to do from a a preparation standpoint is if you can roll with two and have an extra guy like up there, you try to roll with two if you can and just like rep as much as you can, like, you know, the best guys uh, in a two man shield and just kind of like, you know, run it like that. Cause I guess if you have an extra guy back there um, it's you, you allow for, you know, maybe like an extra guy from the, from the opposing special teams defense to, you know, get back there quicker I guess um, but so I don't know Like you know it's it's you just gotta block <laughs> honestly just block better really like I know that's easier said than done and I'm sitting here I don't have the you know, you know scholarship <laughs> to do this but um, I think from a preparation standpoint if you can roll with two uh, and basically also I, I had a chance to you know uh, kind of get a little bit inside on that play they they do it all the time but that was like a rugby style punt so he's punting on the move uh, I don't know if that had an impact on it if that you know the fact that he was kind of in motion gave them more of a I don't know I don't know but uh that was the, the style the punt that they were uh you know trying to go for but the fact that it's happened twice I think there's certainly got to be a heightened emphasis on it and you got to just send I think you'd probably go with a two man shield if you can just just and and just make sure that you know you're, you're shoring up the even if I mean even if you're your guys up front before they even get to the shield have to do what they got to do, whatever. I don't know. I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to pretend to be an expert on that at all, but um, if you can go with the two to me, just mathematically, I think that's probably, uh you know, the best available, uh, best available option.
2: Here's the problem and people in the chat and Jer- and John, I see your uh, comment to me in the side, uh, but people in chess Does it doesn't matter if you just hardly punt. Well, I mean, if you punt once and it gets blocked, that's not good. That's not good. And if yeah. you punt twice and one gets blocked, it's not good. You know? It's a
3: disturbing trend, I would say. I mean, yeah. I, I think the UNC offense is super high-powered, but I think it's a bit of a – I think it's a concern.
2: Yeah, and yeah. Mac talked about last year, and this goes to another question that was in the chat, is it Coe or Burnett? Well, it's going to be Burnett from here on out. Um, but Mac got to the point last year where they thought about they just might have to go for everything because they couldn't kick a field goal. That's certainly changed. Uh, but you don't want to get, get into that yeah. situation with the punter. Yeah, and real Uh, quick, don't
0: forget, don't forget the punt that got blocked and he ran he ran it back. They that was only a 3-0 game. So if Syracuse recovers that in good field position, I'm not saying they win the game off of it, but that was an important moment in the game. So that's that that
3: became Carolina's first touchdown drive. That was the first touchdown drive of the game. Yeah, like they that became a 17 play, 94 yard drive because Ben Kiernan uh channeled his inner rugby player and then went off for a A jaunt.
1: (laughs) I want to make sure we give a a shout out to Jeremiah. You did, it was, I believe you did the interview with Ben after the game. That was a tremendous interview. I learned so much. He was Uh, great to talk to. uh, So make sure to check that interview out if you haven't already on insidecarolina.com that that Jeremiah did with uh, UNC's punter after the game. TA, this question is for you. It's from Jack. Who's the star of the UNC Miami game? If UNC wins, what's your take there? Nate McCollum. Mm.
2: I think Nate has big numbers. Um, Miami's got some skill and some talent, but they're going to have to devote somebody over the top. One of the coolest plays um, that happened Saturday is the long pass to Nate. Um, when, and when you see it from the all 22, you see Tez running with his hands up, touchdown. That – You know, whether you're a Carolina fan or not, if you're just a fan of the sport or or whatever, or fan of guys cheering on each other, that was a cool moment. And I think Nate takes advantage of that again this week. I think Tez gets more involved. Um, He was involved Saturday. Drake missed him, and he could have thrown to him on that. But I think Nate McCollum on offense for sure. But I'm not so sure it won't be a defensive player like Miles Murphy again to be the main guy for North Carolina. Um, Mack does – offense-defense special teams, if I do it that way, I'm going uh, offense-McCullum, defense-Murphy again because I think this is a type game Murphy can certainly make a difference because Van Dyke's not going to run it. He's not going to break the pocket and take off and run all the time. So if you get pressure up in the middle, it becomes large for North Carolina's ability to stop them.
3: I could see Elijah Hussey maybe making a play yeah. or two. You know, they, they clinched that game down there at Miami last year on a DeAndre Boykins interception. Uh, And I think the entire UNC team went with the – I don't know if you can see They turned the U down all around (laughs) Hard Rock Stadium. Uh, You know, that's one of those moments, um, just thinking about it, like, you – you know, Miami means something. You know what I mean? Florida State means something. Like, even that Miami team last year went five and seven, but it's still cool to beat them. And, like, I remember that reaction when Boykins picked that ball off. I was like, you know, this is still, like – this is a meaningful thing to to beat a team with that sort of um, status, you know, as Miami has in in college football.
2: Yeah, and, and people always remember the two thousand four game or whatever like that. But the fact is, and this is another big thing in this game. North Carolina's dominated Miami in the last four years. Uh, I mean, in the win column, it's four straight. Yep, um, they've had a ton of success. You you talk about games that were coaching blunders cost a team a game. Zero Dart 30 was, called, <laughs> was lost by a coaching blunder by North Carolina. Go back and watch the tape. I, would, uh, I probably lost a vocal cord yelling that one. Um, but anyway, uh, so it, it's been an interesting series. And I like when Miami comes to Chapel Hill, the fans can be um little Miami sometimes, but they're usually pretty cool. And, and you mentioned Huzzy, and let, and let me mention this before I forget. And We'll talk more about it with the game plan later in the week. Xavier Restrepo is Miami's best player. He is Tyler Van Dyke's Josh Downs from last year. He looks at him every play. He plays in the slot a lot. Huzzy gets on him. That's going to be a heck of a matchup to watch. That'll be a number one matchup to watch in this game. Yeah, get your popcorn ready for that one. Yeah, uh, You will find out um, real quick if if Huzzy is who we think he is. Um, I think he is, but this will be a great matchup for him to show it. Uh, let me ask you this. Garrett Chapman asked, Jeremiah, who does Miami resemble most from teams Carolina has played so far? It's a tough one a little bit.
0: It's a tough one. Um, I don't want to give you a, a cop-out answer, but I don't know if like they're kind of pretty unique, right, to some to of the other teams they, they've faced. I mean, they do have the strong run defense, I guess, if you wanted to take that trait – right? I guess that's a trait that, that Syracuse had, uh, you know, because they came in with a strong run defense. Uh, Miami's rushing offense has also been really good, but I mean, I just think the the receivers that they have, especially with Rich Depple, like you said, and um, I don't know. Like, it, it really is a team. If you had to pick one,
2: I'd say that's, that's a South Carolina. Would you say South Carolina? Because
0: I, I, I was thinking South Carolina, but I don't know. I, I think just Miami's just so much better, like, up front on both sides of the ball, which, like, had so much to do with that game. And, like, oh, man, like, that's – I mean, is Van Dyke probably – I think Spencer Rattler is probably the best quarterback, like, on UNC's schedule. Um, But would you say Van Dyke is probably the second best that they faced at this point? I
2: mean, the app quarterback looked pretty good, but I think – He looked really good, yeah. I think
3: Van Dyke is – pretty decent, too. I mean – but Carolina didn't made him. I mean, Carolina. Smaller. Carolina made him look bad. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, they. Yeah. Yeah. The
2: difference in people forgetting Rattler. Carolina beat Rattler to death, and he's still threw for what three
0: hundred. Oh. It was over three hundred.
3: Yeah. It was over.
2: He was 30 for thirty nine. I mean, and Rattler has had like good
0: games after that. too. that's yeah. part of why I say it. like he he went on yeah. to like show. Oh wait, like if if he has time to throw and he's not like you know laying on the fifty yard line, he can complete some passes. Um yeah, so I don't know. Maybe, like, defensively Syracuse because of the traits they have, and then offensively maybe South Carolina, I would say.
2: Interesting take. Let me Uh, – we're going to wrap this one up. I didn't even – time flies when I'm talking to you guys, but I, I want to uh, take a second. This last segment, and John's going to be the highlighted one, it's going to be sponsored by Congruity, another one of Inside Carolina's podcast sponsors. They're North Carolina-based national coverage, local presence, personal support straight from the Tar Heel State. We say shop local. We mean it at Inside Carolina, whether it's Johnny T. shirt on the front end, Congruity on the back end. They're empowering your small and mid-sized businesses, owners with uh, human resources and payroll outsourcing. They do all the hard work so you can grow your business. They take care of your people. And they do it all of the time with top line technology, top-of-the-line customer service. Darren and Matt, those guys pride their company on the customer service they provide. They're obsessed with it. And they tailor-make your plan for your business, and they just take care of you. I mean, if you run a small business, it makes sense to hit up Congruity. So do this. Go to CongruityHR.com front slash Tar Heels. Fill out a form. Inside Carolina Premium Subscribers. Inside Carolina subscribers, period, get a free assessment on how they can take care of your business, how they can help you, how they can take care of personal, local, straight from the Tar Heel State, congruity HR, CongruityHR.com, front slash Tar Heels. John Bowman, you are on, up. Are we going to call this hot takes or rants or what you want to talk about here?
1: This is the Congruity Rant of the Week I'm sure they'll be thrilled that they're associated with that as our presenting sponsor here. (laughs) They didn't know what they were signing up. (laughs) (laughs) We we love our sponsors. We love our sponsor. (laughs) Our Congruity well thought out take of the week presented by Congruity. Personalized
2: approach. John Bowman's well thought out thought of the week from the Tar Heel State.
1: You know, Tommy, this, this rant is about uh, the myth of Sisyphus. If you're familiar with, the uh, man, the legend, who was sentenced to roll a boulder up a hill every single week, and then he would roll the boulder back down the hill. Sometimes that feels a little bit like football, especially from the coaching perspective. You know, you have to tell your team, forget last week. Last week is done. Turn the page. But we, none of us, as far as I know, are competing On Saturday, we have the ability to kind of take a second and appreciate. And I wanted to make sure we ended the show on this because this past game against Syracuse, the 33-point margin of victory was the largest at home against an ACC opponent since the Tar Heels beat Duke 66-31 to in 2015. And even in that game, UNC gave up 31 points. This past week, UNC gave up 7 to Syracuse. Before we turn the page and we talked all about Miami tonight I wanted one last time to bring us back to just appreciate Tar Heel fans should really appreciate what happened on Saturday this was one of the most complete games in UNC football history from the perspective of myself who's been following UNC for a long time it's probably the best I've seen UNC play you know uh, on, on one hand the best I've seen them play since I've been alive so one last look back I wanted to end the show on that rant that we're so quick to turn the page in this business and also so quick to criticize, but sometimes you have to appreciate and the UNC football fan should appreciate what UNC did this past Saturday.
3: Do we, clap? Well, that really wasn't a rant, John. I think that was a, um, you know, some deep thoughts with John Bowman.
2: I want to see John. <laughs> uh, I want to see you mad. I bet you we could see you mad at certain times, but that was not a rant. I agree with Adam. That was like, this is a, Let's rah rah team. Let's go. I agree with you. North Carolina played a heck of a ball game against Syracuse. Mm-hmm. The thing about college football um, is, we talk about stacking wins, and coaches talk about it. If you don't stack one on top of that, then, then that one didn't even really matter. So North Carolina's in that boat this weekend uh as they come in and when you when you mentioned Sisyphus I was like I think I fought him on a video game or something one time. <laughs> um this the Oedipus comedy yeah, really, I was you like think about the Roman Empire John God yeah. of War or some <laughs> one of those video games. Uh anyway anything left. Jeremiah give us your final thoughts. One of my favorite things and if folks haven't watched our um on the beat live from the Smith Center Uh, from the bench behind the Smith Center. You need to check that out on the basketball side if you're interested in some basketball takes. Jeremiah kind of kept that one on the rail, so Jeremiah, going to let you take us away here. <laughs> oh,
0: <man.
2: laughs> okay. What listen. do you mean, Tommy? No. I don't know. I was ready to chase the dude with the food. I mean, dude walks by with some kebabs or something in the middle. Oh of the day. yeah, that's right. We
0: we did have a yeah yeah yeah. It was a couple a couple foods, interlopers. Right? Yeah yeah it yeah. Came yeah. from some sort of event or something. You know, just uh,
3: man. Them. They're just having a Friday. You know, we're
0: out there. We're out there on the internet. They're having a Friday. <laughs> Bad. final thoughts um i i think one thing that i, I do actually kind of want to say now i think about it um we'll see how unc looks with tez walker um coming in with a full week of preparation uh one thing that we did talk about and did ask about was um you know you had to this was a guy you had to kind of rush in you know two days before you know i don't even know if it was a full 48 hours uh Uh, maybe it was a little bit over 48 hours before kickoff. Um, So how is that, you know, so people aren't totally sure how that's going to look, but now since you you had him in the spring, you had him in the fall, you're going to start this week with him in the game plan. Um, So I think that, you know, this is an opportunity for, uh, you know, not only for the offense to open up, but for, you know, Tez himself to, you know, kind of make some big plays. He had opportunities at some, you know, obviously there was the one overthrow and then the one where they, you know, went to Nate, but obviously he flashed um, his ability. And then just another thing I was thinking about, and I wanted to kind of bring it up uh, when he was at Kent state, he had big moments on big stages. So his in 2021, he had a 73 yard touchdown in the Idaho potato bowl against Wyoming. Uh, And then last year he had obviously the, screenplay that he broke against Georgia. And then he had, uh, you know, he had a really good game against Washington as well. So this is a guy that when he was at, you know, Kent State, Kent State, uh, he had big moments on big stages. Obviously, uh, Saturday's game is going to be, you know, uh, a big stage, if you will. So um, I don't know what the exact stat line will be, you know, or anything like that. But I, I'm expecting, a, you know, a coming out party of sorts. Uh, you know, for Tez Walker. Now that he's back in the offense, UNC is going to look to go to him a lot. They look to him a lot uh, against Syracuse. Uh, a lot of those passes were shorter. Didn't quite get, you know, more than 10 yards, than any of them. But that was really just a rhythm thing. So I think uh, there's going to be a big Tez Walker play or two uh, against Miami on Saturday.
2: Yep. Adam, final. I'm going to turn this up. You <laughs> see, this is my new wave uh, minute glass. Go. There it's hypnotic, da. Eh?
3: It's very hypnotic. Like I think I could. Yeah. Just, I'm trying to figure out what it is. time with it. Um, <laughs> I've got. Uh, I've got UNC 37, Miami 20. Um, it's a. I guess that would make for another convincing win for these Tar Heels, who have a lot of convincing wins this season. Every one but the App State game, I would say. Um, but. Yeah, you know, you win this game. I noticed earlier Jeremiah had already counted it as a win because he said, you know, if the Miami win when he was talking about the schedule, he'd already had it marked down. uh, Oh, did I? You you just offhandedly said, yeah. Oh, good. uh, When we were talking about going through the schedule. But, um, I mean, I think there's a lot to like about the way Carolina's playing. And uh, I don't know what type of Miami team is going to show up. They could show up motivated beyond belief. This could be the most motivated Miami team you've ever seen. I'm not a big believer in Mario Cristobal as a game manager or an in-game coach. I think he's a fantastic recruiter. I mean, I could be a nice dude. I don't know him. Um, But, you know, they're in some, they're in some turmoil, you know, down there in, uh, in Coral Gables. When you have the athletic director show up to your weekly press conference and he never shows up to your Mm -hmm. weekly press conference, you know, that ain't a good sign. Um, also get on me my voice got high there a little bit but uh know, yeah, it's it, that that's not great uh but again you could use this as motivating fuel and you could see miami breathing fire um either way from what i've seen lately from unc i have a lot of confidence in them this could be famous last words but i think they win the game i think they move to six and oh and you're looking at uva next and uh on the cw by the way we could We'll talk about that next week, I guess. Um, right after Saved by the Bell, right? I mean, <laughs> you know what? We could give a, our our audience a homework assignment: come with your best CW jokes next week. Maybe I don't know, <laughs> or you can email John uh, at producerjohn@gmail.com. But um, you know, I've I've got it at I got I have got it. At, that's those are alongs a lot along the lines I'm thinking. Thirty-seven twenty UNC. I think I think it's a game where Drake throws for 300 yards and you sort of have to rely on Drake. I don't know if you're going to get much in the running game. I could see Amar and Hampton maybe punching in a short touchdown run or two, but I don't think you're going to have you know what Carolina threw for 442 and ran for 202 yep. or something like that against Syracuse. That's unreal. You know, that's I mean that is unbelievable production. Um but I think it's I think it's a game that you sort of Drake may wins it offensively, and I think the UNC defense shows up again. Maybe you you create a couple late turnovers from TVD. Um, So I got 37-20. We'll see what happens.
2: One interesting take before I get out of here. We'll talk about this later. Um, Greg and I will have a next level with a Miami beat writer. Um, It's Chris Stock from Inside the U. Developed a pretty cool relationship with him over the last few years. Um, I'll be on his show after that. And then Jason and I will do a game plan on Thursday night how will it be when another team, though, has a chance to prepare for Tez Walker in the week? Syracuse did not, and it was pretty clear they had nobody for him. How does Miami defend him um, and defend that deep ball? It'll be interesting to watch. Miami will show up, and I think they'll show up ready to play. Um, I'm not big on the front-runner aspect of it because every team's different. Guys want to win. and Guys certainly don't want to go out like that. I think we'll see a motivated Miami team. But I think this team, Preston in the chat, I think earlier said, this team's starting to feel a little different, and I agree with that. North Carolina football, Saturday night in Keenan at 7.30. It's been on the beat, sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt and Congruity, Adam, Jeremiah, Producer John, and 350, 360 of our favorite friends on Inside Carolina on a Tuesday night. Shout out to everybody. Be safe. See you next time.